Welcome to the Natural Running Network. My name is Richard Diaz, and what I hope to do is introduce you to some amazing athletes and luminaries from the sports science community, and what has come to be expected, I'll provide some highly opinionated rants on all aspects of endurance sports and my current favorite, obstacle course racing. Now sit tight, grab a cup of coffee, and let's do this. All right, I can't believe it. Here we are in the new year, 2019. And yes, I've been really, really bad about putting out podcasts lately. And uh, I keep asking for forgiveness. I don't think I deserve it. But a couple things I wanted to bring to light. First of all, we just concluded our super clinic just last weekend. It was amazing. The weather wasn't what I hoped for. But at the end of the day, we had a really great time and a great group of people. As I suggested over and over again to lots of people, doing the clinics here are the best because we have toys to play with. I know the areas that we're going to work in opposed to what happens when I do things on the road where I just throw myself out there and hope to hell somebody's going to take me to the right places so we can do the things we need to do. But having said that, we're looking forward to New Jersey. It is sold out and there are still slots left available in Chicago. And uh, of course, the Super Clinic coming back here to the, the Secret Lab in June. And for now, that's all I have on my agenda. People looking for that information, go to the naturalrunningcoach.net and you can find that information there. All right, so Rhea Kolbel. Am I saying it right? Is it Kolbel or Kolbel? How do you say it? Kolbel. Kolbel. I have, to, yeah. <laughs> I have to say it in my Slovenia accent. <laughs> I feel like even Slovenians sometimes have trouble with it. It's not quite Slovenian either. I don't, I'm not quite sure where it's, from I think it used to be German, but there was an umlaut over O that got dropped at some point in history. Got it. You know, I was just over there, November, October. Uh, we went to Prague, and then we did uh, we did a trip up the Danube, and I think it was the Danube, one of those rivers. Is that right? Is that does that sound right? The travels yeah, up through do. Austria. <laughs> We went to Vienna. We went, uh -huh. up, went all the all the way up the river to all these different places. And all I know is when the boat stopped, we got beer, pretzels, <laughs> schnitzel, got back on the boat and traveled some more. So I was in what I believe to be your neck of the woods. Pretty pretty accurate. Yeah, it's pretty close. Um, Vienna is like maybe two hours from where I grew up, and uh -huh. um, the Slovenia is just right there, basically. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I did a podcast with someone that does podcasts in Slovenia and invited me onto his podcast. Oh, nice. Yeah, and you know what's funny is I, I never listened to it, so I don't know what it sounded like. But um, I told him that I was going to Prague, and he said, oh, no problem, I can meet you. You know, it's only about five hours. I'm like, <laughs> I said, I'm going yeah. to be on a boat, dude. I said, I don't know if it's going to work out. All right, so Ria, it's, you know, I don't know how in the heck we got this far without me hitting you up for for an interview but uh, I apologize it's taken me so long and I'm making up for lost time no need to apologize yeah well you know these days I feel like I need to because it's like I've been so bad with this podcast thing and I I have people asking me all the time why I'm not doing these podcasts and I don't know I'm getting old 
Rhea. And I, I just feel like uh, if I don't have something really substantial to discuss or talk about, I don't want to do, just do it to do it. I've done six years of podcasts every week up until last year. And I just got a little lazy and and uh, I don't know. You're you can always say quality over quantity. <laughs> well, that's that's what I'm trying to do. And I don't think people appreciate that. They, they, they just want to... They want to have consistency, so when they go out in the run, they want to tune it into their little headset and have a podcast to listen to. And apparently, I'm just not that guy. My popularity is falling off. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rhea, I have like lots of questions for you. And um, what spurred this on? I'm going to be very honest with you. What spurred this on is I just happened to notice in Instagram that you had this tirade of goals for 2019. And a few of the things that you had said really resonated with me. And I said, I have got to talk to this girl. Uh, let me just start with the first thing that kind of really jumped out at me. And I really appreciated hearing you say. And that was that you're no longer going to race on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that means you're going to show up on a weekend event. And you're going to get your business done on Saturday. And if anything, you'll be a spectator come Sunday or go home. Pretty accurate? Yeah. Um, or Sunday up. I mean, I'll still do a run. Let's be honest. I can't really go without this. But um, I really want to start focusing on Sunday already being recovery than beating my body even more. Um, especially on those days because sometimes the races are very treacherous and you have to go through like crazy terrain and just pushing through pain on Sunday again wasn't really always something I wanted to do, but I felt like since I was there, I should race both days because, you know, why not? Um, and that's just really something I want to work on in, um, this year because there are a lot of races and the season is very long. And those Sunday races, if I get injured because of them, it's not really something I want this season to be. Well, I have to tell you, again, the reason that this was the first thing on my list to discuss with you is because I've been preaching this forever. I'll take on a new client to coach, and I'll ask them to laundry list the, uh, the events they hope for in the season. And it's usually like a function of, okay, Saturday, Sunday, I'm racing because I'm there. You know, they give me some excuse about why they need to do both days. And generally it's because they're already there, so they feel like they need to do it. And I, I lobby hard for them not to do both days. Uh, I would tell them, close your eyes, put Saturday's race in one hand, Sunday's race in the other, and drop the one that's least important to you. And let's focus on training for that particular event because you're never going to put up an A game two days in a row. I mean, you can put an A effort up two days in a row, but the likelihood that you perform at your optimal best two days in a row just doesn't happen. Yeah. I guess on Sunday, most of the people are racing their second time. So the, I feel like the scale of what A performance is kind of drops because of that. But I feel like now with OCR having just so many different races and different distances and everything, I feel like it should be more and more people who prefer shorter stuff to be racing on Sundays when there are shorter races. And I just really don't like things that are four miles long. So if it's something I already don't like and it's if it's on a day when I'm already tired from Saturday, I just really decided to put all of my efforts into the distance that I prefer. Well, yeah, but beyond that, realize that if it's a shorter distance race after a long race, 
then all you're doing is ratcheting up the intensity. So when your body is already a little beat down, you're asking more of your pace for the shorter distance, which is very, very likely to cause you a problem. You know, you're very, very much asking for trouble. And here you are someone that has high volume training and your body is more prepared for that extra work than most of the age groupers and folks that are not putting in anywhere near the volume that you are. And then asking their body to perform two days in a row, it's just a recipe for disaster, I believe. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess it depends on how hard you hit it on Saturday. If you're just going for a weekend to race both days, then it, I think it might be okay to run both days. But if you are racing really hard on Saturday and putting your best effort out, then um, I feel like Sunday it's probably better to go for a you know slow run and enjoy the new area that you might be visiting and just explore like that, which is kind of my plan this year. Cool. Now, the other thing that uh, wasn't on the list of things that you mentioned, but it struck me as interesting, is that... First of all, you are an engineer, correct? Not anymore. I'm just Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're 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 <laughs> trained as an engineer so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a master's degree in material science engineering. All right. all right. Well, there you go. And so where I'm going with this is that the idea of the dash all concerns to the wind, go with what your heart tells you to do as opposed to being very structured like most engineers, that's such a a conflict in, in processes, you know. Engineers that I know, they're very analytical, they're very A personality types, and you're like this big risk taker. You're like, all the conversations I, I've read about you when you're having an interview, you talk about how you're just gonna do what makes you happy and you've taken big, big risks to ensure your happiness, regardless of the outcome. And that is so not like an engineer. I'm like wondering how that happens. Is that is that is that uh, is that a European type of thing, or or assuming that you're you know I know that you're educated here, it just seems yeah. like such a conundrum to me. I feel like to me, I don't know. It's almost having that degree is kind of like a safety net. So I know that if I do something terribly wrong and I make a really bad decision, I still have that degree to fall back on. So um, at the end of the day, I can always go find a you know nine to five job and it'll be probably a good enough job to have a comfortable life. And so it's not I feel like I don't have to be as careful making other decisions in life because I do have that safety net to fall back on. Um, and then I think part of it is also just um, when I was still doing gymnastics when I was little and when I lost that, that was like a probably at that point, if you ask me what's the worst case scenario, that would probably be pretty high on the top of the list. And I came out fine. And so I feel like that kind of showed me that even when really things go super wrong, it's still going to be OK. So I guess kind of safety net and previous experiences when big risks worked out. Um, kind of makes it easier to take them now, later in life. Got it. I thought it was interesting that you uh, you were bending on a scholarship in order to be able to to attend Stanford. And uh, you didn't have it in the bag, but you went ahead and went after it anyway, and it turned out for you anyway. So, like, do you ever go to Vegas? Do you ever, <laughs> do you ever gamble? <laughs> you know? I feel like odds they're a lot worse though. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure they're not good. I know they're yeah. not good. I've been there. But I just I just found that such a, such an interesting conundrum is that 
that's so not in keeping with the mindset of an engineer that I've ever met that would just dash things and just, I'm going to take a shot at this and screw it. I'm just, you know, it doesn't work, doesn't work, but I'm doing it. Uh, that, that just doesn't work in that mindset commonly, at least in the, in the States anyway. I don't know. But, Might also be my upbringing in Europe. I know my mom always said, like, what's the worst thing that can happen is you lose money and you can always make more of that. So um, I feel like it was also growing up with that kind of mindset of go for it that help, helps me now. A while back, I don't think I've ever shared this with anybody, but since it's kind of in your nature, I'll share it with you. A while back, I, I used to own health clubs. And uh, I was at this crossroads where I was about to lose a partner and I wanted to build a new club and it was going to be exclusively mine, no partners involved. And that means procure your own financing and the whole deal to, to build this thing out. And it wasn't a small undertaking. It was, it was a relatively large place. It was going to be a lot of money that I needed to, to come up with. And on my computer, when you go down through fonts in a computer, you get to this place with these little symbols or letters represented by symbols. And on my screensaver, I, I put these symbols that kind of scrolled through my screen that said, both feet in the boat. <laughs> and so my, my thought process was, I always seem to have like one foot on the dock and one foot on the boat and this indecision about do I get back on the dock or do I get in the boat? And so the screensaver was there to remind me, just get in the freaking boat and do your thing, you know? And uh, it, that's the same kind of mindset, it seems like, that you have. Now, clearly, I could have done something else. I've had things I could have fallen back on. Um, but I, I just kind of liked that that approach. So I don't want to beat this to death, but it just... It worked for me when I heard you say you're a risk taker, but at the same token, you're intelligent enough to realize that just racing back to back is probably not the smartest re uh, thing to do. Whether you enjoy it or not, it, just that extra work is not going to bear the kind of fruit that, that the risk portrays. Is that fair? Yeah, I would yeah. agree with that. Okay, so you like long. I mean, you don't care for short. We know this, right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, what did you think? And, you know, I had Chris was uh, Chris Mendoza was here this past weekend. He did the clinic with us and um, he's an old friend and I've worked with him on occasion. And uh, I was really, really happy for him to see him win that race. WTM. And yeah. uh, so what was your thoughts about Georgia versus Vegas? Did it was like a lot tougher, you think? It was a lot harder physically um, because the terrain was harder to run on. There was no, like, in Vegas, there was a lot compact dirt where you could just, the downhills, you would not have to even try and you would run pretty fast. But I feel like Atlanta was a lot, like, the terrain was either flat or it was very, very steep, muddy hills where you couldn't even rest on the downhills. So, really, you had to be working the whole time on the descents. You had to be working on ascents. You had to be working and then the rest was flat. So the terrain itself was harder and it was very muddy too, which in the dark when your headlamp is kind of dying from all the water, it was hard to see where you're stepping and it was kind of sliding around the whole time. Um, and then the temperatures because it was so, so cold. Um, I wasn't necessarily cold because I had enough of neoprene thanks to that hypothermia in New Jersey. Um, but because of that, I had to put on my wetsuit at 2 p.m., and in Vegas, I didn't put it on until like 6 p.m. And so that's four extra hours of running in neoprene, which makes it a lot harder on your hip flexors. Um, chafing happens a lot faster. 
and just everything is a little bit harder when it's that cold outside. So I think in in that standpoint, it was harder. But I feel like mentally, because it was so much varied terrain, um, you were like running through really pretty forests with foliage and there were lakes and at night there was steam coming off of the lakes. There were a lot more distractions than in Vegas where you could kind of see everywhere all the time. So in that sense, it was a little bit easier because you could have all these other things to look at and to get distracted and things kind of were changing throughout the night. Um, so I guess from that perspective, it was easier, but I think overall, just if you look at the mileage and how many miles people did and how many people actually finished, um, I feel like that just kind of tells you that it was physically a lot more demanding this year. Yeah, I, I think that that's an interesting outlook because when I spoke to, to Chris, he never spoke of the, uh, you know, just the way things look, the foliage and things like this. He just talked about suffering and having uh, <laughs> and having uh, frostbitten toes and, you know, it was just a different outlook. But um, I, I, I noticed something just in the research I was doing on you uh, yesterday um, where, I don't know, I just pulled it up. I'm pulling things out of the Internet and I saw earning earnings of the top athletes in the sport. And uh, one of the things that kind of struck me was that of all the races that you earned in over last year, your racing with Spartan was twice as often, at least twice as often. Well, more than that. I forgot how many races there were collectively, but the difference in your earning with, with uh, Tough Mudder versus Spartan, even though there was only a few races you did with Tough Mudder was greater than all the money that you earned with Spartan. Now, are you with Spartan or are you with Tough Mudder? I'm trying to figure out if you're attached to one of those guys yet. I'm with Spartan. Okay. I'm on the Spartan Pro team. Okay. Well, I'm assuming for you, it was decision was made already in 2018. Yeah. Well, it's kind of finalizing now, but I am staying with Spartan for okay. 2019. Okay. So, what's your thoughts about the earning, comparatively speaking? I mean, if you do like a lot of Tough Mudder races throughout the season. I, am I wrong about this or is the earning just better? I guess if you look at by race, I'm sure that Tough Mudder is better. But if you look at by hour, then I'm not, I probably, they might be actually the same because Tough Mudder has the races that I did with Tough Mudder that I did well in were the three eight hour races and the 24 hour race. And so it just happens that that is more of what my strength is. And so that's why I do better at those than, you know, like Spartan races, which are usually like an hour an hour and a half long and it's a lot higher intensity and there's also if you make a mistake there's literally no time to fix that um and so i think because of that i don't always do as well in spartans as i do in tough matters but um i was actually kind of sad i couldn't do the 24-hour spartan race last year because i feel like i had better chances in that than in any other spartan race throughout the year you're talking about but, iceland yeah yeah iceland yeah. um yeah. but i feel like I, don't, I think just like because the Spartan races are shorter, the competition is a lot harder because um, I feel like for nine hour race, it's a lot easier. Well, not really easier to train, but you don't need to put in as many miles as you have to to do well in like a 24 hour and eight hour race. And so I feel like it just attracts a wider group of people that can do those races. Um, so I think I think that's probably 
why there's a discrepancy. Um, but you can only do so many of the eight-hour races and the 24-hour races a year um, to not, you know, break down. And so I think it's a good balance to have a lot of those shorter races, which you can do a lot and you can get better at obstacles that way, and then do a few of the longer ones, which I really do enjoy a lot. Do you think in terms of which events you want to participate in, going into the season and progressively going into the longer events from the shorter events? Or do you just take them as they're dictated to you uh, being on the pro team? Um, I think, so I'm on the pro team because I want to do all these events. It's not that I'm on the pro team and then I have to do the events. It just being on the pro team enables me to do all these races that would otherwise just be too expensive to do by myself. Um, and so I know I want to do the championship series. I might not necessarily want to do like Florida, which is going to be really flat and Alabama, which is going to be flat as well. But um, doing the whole series is something that really excites me just because it tests on a variety of terrains. So I'm, I have to do these races that are not maybe my um, like top choice in terms of terrain, but I still feel like it, they make me better runner at mountains because of them. And so that's kind of how I pick what races I'm going to do. And then once the championship series is put into my um, schedule, then I see how many of the fun races that I want to do would fit around it. So I think I'm going to be able to do three of the 12 hour races with Tough Mudder next year and then um, World Toughest Mudder. And then I want to do some of the Spartan races that are not part of any series. I think they're actually part of Mountain Series because I just like to climb mountains. So all of the venues that I really want to do are part of the Mountain Series. So like Vermont, um, which was really fun last year, I want to do that one again. And so I just kind of fill in the gaps that are left with the races I really want to do. Are you going to do Seattle? Yeah, it's part of the series. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be there. Yeah. I'd imagine that's probably not on your A-list of fun to do type races, right? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I figured out clothing this year a little bit better. So yeah. maybe I will feel my hands at the end of the race still. Uh, it was really muddy last year, right? It was. It was muddy and cold, and I was used to training in Boulder, where 30 degrees and sunny means I can be in shorts and a sports bra, and I was just so surprised by how much colder the wet cold is, so that made some bad choices. Yeah. Wearing yeah. shorts. <laughs> so, I also heard, again, I knew it, but I wasn't really fixated on it enough to really investigate, but you had an injury last year, is that correct? I did. Um, it happened around Chicago race, and I think it was a combination of doing six races in one month, which was a little bit too much. And also, when I was in Chicago, it was very, very muddy, and I put those um, elastic shoelaces in, and I really tightened them so fast that I didn't feel my so tight that I didn't feel my feet for the entire race. Um, and I think it was a combination of my feet already being tired, and then. Um, doing something silly like that and racing for an hour and a half in that kind of shoe that then after that I it was really bad like I couldn't walk for a week and then I think I was off running for about six to eight weeks after that so what did you what did you injure um it they couldn't quite figure out MRI didn't really show anything conclusively um I went to a bunch of PT people and nobody quite knew what it was but I think it was a combination of a little bit of a stress reaction of my on my metatarsals and then I also had um, like tendonitis in between the metatarsal bones. 
which um, they're not quite sure if one caused the other or if they both kind of happen at the same time. But I messed up my foot pretty bad. <laughs> Anybody bring up the idea of it being a Morton neuroma? Yeah, um, but it it wasn't it didn't fit like some of the things just didn't make sense to be Morton's neuroma because yeah. I did get the um, cortisone shot and that didn't do didn't help at all. So if it was if it was Morton's neuroma, that would help. Yeah, because it reduces inflammation between the metatarsals. Yeah. Right? Wow. Well, that sucked, huh? Yeah. I mean, I can't even can't imagine you not running for six weeks. It was pretty hard. Um, and actually, my sisters-in-law were visiting just at that time, so we had a bunch of hikes planned. And then I just kind of left in the morning and stayed in the gym and biked around the whole day and came back in the evening because not the most fun person to be around right when I get injured. <laughs> But I did I did start really loving biking because of that. And I feel like that is helping me with running this year a lot, too. So good things came out of it. And I tried Vermont Spartan Race, which I which I wouldn't otherwise. So found a new favorite venue because I couldn't do the ones I plan on doing. Now you're on a road bike or a mountain bike? Um, so I do roads on a mountain bike. Okay. <laughs> I try mountain biking and I'm really, really terrible. So I just get mostly frustrated and don't get anywhere and fall over pebbles. Um, but I also just like spin workouts in the gym too. Oh, cool. um, just to get the cardio yeah. up and do intervals on that. It's actually really fun. You know, I, I'm leaning more and more towards uh, that as a cross training modality for people that are trying to get their aerobic component up because I think it's easier to, to stay fixated on a, on a particular heart rate for a great length of time when you're on a bike versus running? Oh, yeah. I noticed that, too. Like, I can't really get it up as high running as I can get it on a bike. And you did your – I saw uh, somewhere along the way that you did your testing. University of Colorado, was it, with uh, yeah. Dr. San Milan? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was him. Yeah, I know him. He's pretty cool. He's, he's probably one of the most respected physiologists in the country in that work. So that was a good place to go get it done. Yeah, I felt really honored to have the opportunity to do that test. So did he take your blood lactate levels as well? Yeah. And so do you, do you recall the data? Are you familiar with it? I mean, enough to speak um, on it? Yeah, I don't remember exact numbers, but I do remember that my lactic threshold was extremely high. Um, when they do like a little plot comparing it to like canyons or something, right. I think my lactic right. threshold was actually above that. Um, but my VO2 max was super, super low. Yeah, I heard so that. that was that was something interesting. And I think it might just be because I was never in endurance sports growing up. So I did gymnastics, which, you know, has very short periods of bursts that you have to do, but never anything endurance wise. Um, so I think it's because of that. But I I kind of almost like that my numbers weren't like super stellar because it shows that you don't have to have every number um, super high to do well in sports. Well, now, if I recall, and, and correct me because it's been a while and it's not been on my mind, but it was like around 54 was your VO2 score? I think 56-ish, yeah. thing like that. And then you're, you did a direct gas analysis as well. So were those numbers consistent with what the lactate levels were? Uh, I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> I didn't look at those results in a while. Okay. so I, just, yeah. I remember that my heart rate didn't start rising until very, very high speed, so it stayed low. For a very long time and then but once it did start rising it 
like shot through the roof, yeah. which yeah. kind of explains why I'm not so good at this like super high intensity efforts. And I don't really have like, I can run probably a 13 mile run at the same speed that I can run a five mile run and I can run a five mile run any faster. And I feel like that that is kind of consistent with what they found. I actually know some people that I've tested that are into ultras and their VO2 scores were surprisingly low. But their even their thresholds weren't like really great, but their stroke volume was high. They they put out they can put out a lot of work before their heart rate starts to go high. Yeah. But they don't have that high end. They don't have the ability to trip over the real high intensity speeds. And if their heart rate gets to a point that would seem for most people not to be that significant, they shut down. Is that kind of what happened with you? That's yeah. That's almost to the T. Yeah. Yeah, well, I've seen that before, and it doesn't surprise me. So, and I've made comments many, many. I've I've tested thousands of people at this point in my life, but I I could tell you that um, I don't give a lot of credence to the VO2 scores when I test athletes. I'm really more concerned about what's happening with their threshold uh, because that's more malleable. That's more kind of indicative of what your capacity is over over a long term. Um, long term being anything over like a 5K. Mm-hmm. is really, really uh, a big deal to have a, a higher threshold, obviously because energy con- conservation is a big deal, but not clearly as important when you're doing something shorter and really need the VO2 score for that, right? So, yeah, um, like, for example, I, I, I've tested VJ Jones and I work with him, coach him. His VO2 score was like 76.6, I think. Whoa. Yeah, uh, but, you know, he loves the short stuff. I mean, he, he will... Yeah. He will pound you in the ground up to a 5K, and he starts to be challenged when he gets out past a 10K. And, and I don't know whether part of it's youth, but it seems to be that just his DNA is more favored towards the shorter, high-intensity stuff. Mine if, isn't. Yeah, I was going to say, you're the polar opposite, right? Yeah. Well, you got to go with what you know. And I, I've always felt that. I, I, I think that the interesting thing about this sport is that it's such a mishmash of competition and I'm still learning about this sport where they're asking such polar opposite performances from the athletes any given day. And, and I don't know whether that's ever going to sort out where, you know, they come to a place where they say early season, shorter, high intensity stuff and progressively get into longer distances until you finally get into the ultra distances in the, in the latter part of the season. Uh, but if I was, training somebody i'd like to be able to have that latitude to be able to prepare them in that sequential order as opposed to just like oh by the way you're doing a stadium race tomorrow oh by the way next week you're going to do an ultra (laughs) it's just that just doesn't make any sense to me and and it seems to be that that's kind of how it turns out i feel like it almost is a little bit like that i feel like this the like the championship series for the spartans starts early especially this year and those are at the beginning they're like flat and i don't know eight to ten miles so probably an hour and a half max if it's gonna take you and then um really after utah which is july the next thing is gonna be tahoe which is still 13 miles but because it's up and down a mountain it's more in like a two to three hour regime um, if not more than that. So it's slowly getting longer and longer. And then after that, for me, it's a lot of just toughest matters, which are then 12 hour races and then ending the year with a 24 hour races. So it is sort of a progression of um, having to put up some like higher intensity, shorter stuff, and then ending the year with the long stuff. 
um, which is my favorite part of the year. Yeah, I guess it would be. And how do you feel like that fits in with the, the WTM uh, having the Spartan World Championships is relatively close, right? Do you feel like it's in concert and preparation for something that's going to be like a 24-hour event? Or do you feel like it's taking some of the gas out of you before you need to do something longer? No, I think it's actually perfect because even for talk already, I don't train like super fast runs anymore because you can really sprint up that mountain. It's more like having the endurance to keep some sort of a semi-fast speed for a longer period of time. And then um, I actually never train. My training runs are never more than um, like 14, 15 miles. And even those are maybe once a week. If um, So I mostly train in the like 10 to 13 mile regime. And so it, it kind of fits perfectly with that. It's kind of like a um, high intensity, shorter distance effort. And then after that, I stop going fast at all and just focus on doing um, not really longer runs, but runs with more elevation gains. So they have more time on the feet um, like that. But I never, never really go <clears throat> over anything like 15 miles in my training because I do prefer running every day over doing very long runs and then taking days off. And it seemed to be translating pretty well into running for a very long time. Well, I think it does too. That's my pet peeves with the clients I work with is that they tend to load all their work up on the weekend and uh, they don't have much training whatsoever during the week. It could be because of jobs or family life or whatever, but it just seems that um, because they feel like they're having to catch up, they're doing too much on the weekend, not enough during the week. And then they might spend Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday trying to recover from the work they did on the weekend. And then they're, they're losing their fitness. The supercompensation model kind of gets tossed out the window. They're not really gaining the benefit from the work they did on the weekend because they have so much recovery to pay back during the early part of the week. So I'm, I'm with you on that. I think that putting in, let's call it moderate amounts of volume on a daily basis is far better than trying to stack up bigger, bigger miles because you're trying to achieve a particular a log of, of mileage in the week. So I'm with you on that. Now, are you running six days a week or you're running seven? You seven. Running, you, oh, every day. Yeah. Wow. Like that, that's a lot. Not all of the runs are hard. So I often just go explore. Um, so it's kind of like being on the trails and um, I never really feel, I feel like, I don't know. I kind of need running for the, needing of running anyway and so not running actually stresses me out so much that i feel like i feel worse because of that um but if i feel tired i just take it super easy now the other thing that you said in your uh, agenda for this season was that you're you're not going to put as much pressure on yourself to push hard that you're going to spend more time in more casual running i guess uh, if i was to portray it accurately you want to talk about that a little bit so i guess to be clear you're looking at enjoying the run as opposed to trying to achieve a particular end during those runs. Does that sound yeah, accurate? That and also just, I think last year I was very obsessed with how fast I went in very absolute terms. So I would want to have my like tempo run to be sub seven minute miles overall, which um, really then I chose the paths that were like concrete and that weren't very steep so that I would get that number. And in the off season, I just ran trails the whole time and rather than like, I never really looked at my pace or anything like that. I just kind of saw how I felt. So maybe one day when it was a tempo run, I was like, okay, I'm going to try and 
push hard for the uphill section and then I'll just, you know, frolic on the downs. And that actually, I loved every single run because of that. I was never intimidated by a run. And then I think at the end, when I was looking at my times up like sections that I've ran several times before, I have gotten actually a lot faster because of that. And so that's kind of one goal is to still have hard days, but not have hard days in terms of I want to go X minute miles, but rather like I want to go fast to the summit of this mountain today. Um, more like that kind of training principle and also just taking a lot more easy runs because um, I feel like people have been telling me that forever and it took me a few years to realize that easy runs are a lot more fun and they actually do help you go faster. So um, it's kind of like a two-part goal. The other thing that uh, I, I'm really curious about is the competition, the way it stacks up between the female and the male elites. Obviously enough, the dark horse came in in 2018, which was uh, Rebecca Hammond. You know, she seemed to come out of nowhere and cause a potential threat. Well, when she placed uh, second at uh, at the Spartan World Championships and West Virginia, I think she did very, very well there as well. Um, I think she was second there too. Yeah, yeah. So obviously enough for her, new sport. For you, relatively new sport. What do you think is going to be the outcome at Spartan World Championships this year? Who, who, who are you worried about? I mean, who, who do you feel like you need to be more focused on? Everyone. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like, I don't know, they, everybody has gotten so good. Before, I feel like people had weaknesses and if the venue was, I don't know, if they made a mistake or if it wasn't totally to their strength, you actually didn't have to worry about them. But I feel like at this point, everybody has worked on their weaknesses and maybe some people are better at something than others, but because every venue has a little bit of everything, so every venue is going to go up and down. <laughs> and so I feel like it kind of evens out. So it really comes to the point when how are you feeling on that one particular day? Did somebody have a good night of sleep? Did they Are they feeling a little sore from something they did a week ago? And I feel like really at any day, it can be anyone's race. Um, and I feel like even for Rebecca Hammond, it might seem like she came out of nowhere. But if you look at her background, she was a super fast collegiate runner. And she can, I think, boulder like V7s. So it's not that she's new to this. She's new to this sport, but she's by no means new to sports. And so I feel like having the right background can make you really good at OCR really quick. Um, so you never know if somebody new is going to show up. But I feel like Tahoe is so far away. And there are so many races before that. And with Spartan counting basically everything this year, I feel like it's really the person who's going to do the best is the one who stays the healthiest the whole season. Yeah. The competition for the women versus the competition in the men's field. Who do you think has got the tougher work? Uh, I think I think it's really about the same. Um, I feel like maybe back in the day, men's competition was a little bit harder. And for women, you could still fail an obstacle or two and still do good. Um, I feel like if anything, maybe guys have a few obstacles that are more failure prone than others, like the tire flip. I feel like it's a lot harder for guys than it is for us. And so for us, you have to have a much more perfect race because everybody's having a perfect race. It's not like you can count on people failing obstacles. And I feel like that's still a little bit more likely to happen in the men's race just because of some of the weights are not quite proportionate to the strength. Um, but I feel like at this point, it's like you see, I don't know, second gaps between people finishing in both 
both genders and it really shows how close things are. Except Lindsay every now and then wins by 10 minutes. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. so uh, obviously enough, I'm assuming you're going to go OCR World Championships as well? Yeah, um, that is the plan this year. Last year, because of my injury, I had to reshuffle things a lot, and I missed both the NORAM Championship and the one in London. It was just I was racing every weekend, and I wanted to rest for the um, um, from the World Toughest Matter. Um, but this year, if everything goes according to the plan, they're in my schedule. So hoping to hoping to go to both of those. And your husband handles all this travel and all this work and all you being tired all the time pretty well, huh? Oh, yeah. He's amazing. He does everything other than running, which is my part. But yeah. <laughs> he handles life. That's nice. Yeah. My, when I uh, when I was trying to compete and do what I do, my wife would get upset with me because she knew that as soon as I started getting focused on training, that I'd, I'd be a complete prick the whole time. <laughs> you get bitchy when you're tired, you know, and it's like, oh, no, God, oh, no, no, you're not going to do that again, are you? And I'm like, oh, come on. No, no, don't do that. But, yeah, it's it's tough. It's a, it's, it's a very, being an athlete is a selfish endeavor. It takes a lot of time. And if you're in a relationship with somebody, sometimes it makes it very difficult for them. And I guess that's what I was getting at. But it's good to have somebody on your team, your partner, your spouse, whomever that, that supports what you do so that you can be comfortable in your own skin and get your business done. So it sounds like you have that going on. Yeah, 100%. That's awesome. Well, Ria, I, I, uh, I'm going to be very curious to see how you do this year. I'm going to be out there. I'm going to make a point to grab you so we could say hello in person. I've never done that with you. And um, That would be awesome. Yeah, and I, I don't know which races I'm actually going to attend, but... Every time I say I'm not going to be somewhere, I end up being there for some reason or another. I was at Tahoe, and uh, I went by invitation to do some podcasts there. And, and I had athletes racing, so I was there for that. And I was there the previous year. Both years I said I wasn't going to come, and both years I went. I wish you the best of luck this season. And Thank you. Please stay healthy. We need That's you in this goal. sport. You know, everybody's been trying to get me to go to a WTM event. I just don't see me standing out all night long, freezing, watching people do something. <laughs> well, you can do, you can like come for the daytimes. Yeah, there's that. Start right? it and then go to bed and then come see the finish. I think that if I showed up, people would be pissed if I didn't get in a pit and help somebody all night long. Then uh, you ha just have to pick somebody to help who actually goes to sleep too at night. <laughs> uh, uh, no, 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 no. I can't do that. Can't do that. I, I, I am not going to go to one of those races to watch somebody take a nap in the middle of the night. <laughs> it's not going to work for me. But anyway, I appreciate having the opportunity to finally speak with you. And uh, again, I wish you the best of luck this season. Thank you. And likewise for the opportunity to speak to you. Well, friends, it's time to bring another show to a close. Be sure and tune in to us next week. We've got a lot of great content in store for you. I want you to tell your friends to check us out. You can always find us on Facebook, Simply go search the Natural Running Network, drop us a message. I'd love to learn more about you and the things you do. And until then, you have an amazing day.